0: Hello and welcome to the MSC Performers Podcast with me Mark Coulson, today I'm joined with Luke Rogers
1: and hopefully a new mic,
0: a new microphone, we're very very excited about this, probably more excited than we should be um, but hopefully this will improve the sound quality and give you guys an even better uh, listening uh, listening experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of uh, feels feels a bit weird, I said it with Sonia as well the other day, like doing it. Together yeah. next to each other is a little bit strange after uh, doing uh, sort of months of uh, distance stuff on on Zoom, um, but uh, yeah, we're uh, we're good to go on uh, some in- interesting topics today. Uh, before before we get into those though, how how are we doing, Luke? Glad to be back in the gym and obviously things open again.
1: I've. I've had a great time Actually, I've really enjoyed it. Um, I've massively missed coaching. Uh, didn't feel too rusty. Really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed getting people back into the swing of things. It's very interesting because you've got people that have done like no training versus people that have like, trained fairly frequently. So like you've got like a vast array of people that you're trying to, trying to help with. Um, but for the guys that have had a break, it's super simple of just like managing volume accordingly and then trying to progress things very gradually. Um, and it's just super easy return for your, for your effort Uh, well obviously things get a little bit more complicated as you've been training a little bit longer against for the guys that haven't had a layoff you know they're uh, pushing things on nicely already which is uh which is good to see but yeah it's been a been a good week. I've really enjoyed it, and it's uh, it's good to be back, and it's good to be training with other people again. And uh, definitely feel like things have picked up personally for myself. Training just being been surrounded by yeah, the the, the breakfast club, which, uh, <laughs> which has been good. So, yeah, uh, yeah, just being amongst
0: the atmosphere and uh you know amongst people's yeah. you know making a massive difference for, for for our own personal performances in the gym. But uh yeah, just so refreshing to see everyone back from a. You know we won't go into too much of uh, of sort of recap in the first week because obviously we did a lot of that with uh, I did a lot of that with Sonia and the uh, in the recent podcast but uh, from a training perspective has been very um exciting interesting challenging because we are getting guys coming back at you know completely different levels you've got some guys who have, have you know bought some kit or borrowed some kit from MSC and they've got you know the logistically they've got the capability to train at home to to carry on with you know with heavy barbell work so they've maintained the strength quite well so those guys are pretty much a nice um, almost seamless transition into into the into you know good training volume again um you've got some guys who have maybe borrowed a kettlebell or you know resistance band and then some people who have had absolutely nothing so it's um you know, it's it, it's really interesting to see people coming back at these different levels, and obviously having to manage them uh, accordingly.
1: Um, we and have absolutely- another we have another variable as well that we uh, that, that's <clears throat> coming. It's, it's it's timed in well with the uh, with the gyms reopening, but for uh, a lot of people, they're um, they're taking part in Ramadan. And um, that adds another adds another variable, and that's something that we're going to talk um, today about as well, as one of the three topics that we're going to talk about. Uh, but for the guys doing Ramadan who might be super keen to push on then, we have to be a bit more careful with, uh, with load management and taking external stresses into account. That adds sure. another complicated variant into it, but one that... Uh, most people are happy to take on. So that's an interesting topic that we're going to talk about a little bit later on. Yeah, very interesting. I think yeah, very
0: appropriate, obviously, uh, to to bring that up at the moment as well because there'll be a lot lot of guys who are taking part in that who are going to be super keen to get back in the gym yeah. and they haven't had access to gym, so they're going to want to come in and go go full throttle. Or maybe they're not sure if they can come in. Maybe they're, they're the opposite and thinking, or well, you know, I'm not I'm not too sure if you know if, if I can train like I normally do through through this uh, period because. Yeah. You know they, they haven't been training lately, so hopefully today we will clear up some um, some things as to how you can train and get and, and get the best out of it whilst maintaining a you know a balance and not pushing too too far. So I'm really looking forward to getting uh, stuck into that topic.
1: Um, I guess one thing to say uh, as well before we get stuck in is if you are struggling or if you're, you find yourself without any good direction at the minute then please, you know please get in touch even if it's not to talk about memberships just get in touch and see if there's anything that we can help you with obviously if you're looking for more guidance and we have the barber club we have our set programs that we're pushing as well we've got a uh, a rugby templated program we've got a powerlifting hypertrophy which is perfect both of them for uh, for the current times and if you're looking for something more individual we can do that as well so if you are struggling with direction at the minute please get in touch um but i guess apart from that should we uh, get stuck in
0: Absolutely, yeah. So, uh, as Luke mentioned, one of the topics we'll discuss today is uh, Ramadan and how we can uh, how we can uh, maximize uh, our training during the, during that period in a, in a safe manner. Um, two other topics we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about training frequency. Um, so we always get ask this question a lot as to how many times a week should I train? Should it be, you know, I've read somewhere that, you know, twice a week's enough to train. I've read somewhere that it needs to be, you know, five times a week and each muscle group needs to be hit twice or, you know, I mean, it's training every day. Some people ask me about, you know, double sessions and should I be doing two a days? Mm-hmm. Um, so training, training frequencies, um, you know, a real interesting topic that we'll, uh, we'll discuss today and try and clear up a few yeah. things.
1: And then the uh, the last one, because I've been doing pin squats for a while, we've had a couple of people ask what the benefit of the pin squat is, uh, what the difference is between that and a poor squat, and who you would give uh, a pin squat to. So three good uh, training topics, quite uh, varied, so I'm looking forward to getting a very training training related one. So, Absolutely, uh, yeah. Should we start off with a pin squat?
0: Yes. Or what do you want to start
1: off Pin Pin squats is fine. Pin squats it's is good. Yeah, so I've been doing. Uh, I'll talk about like I guess personally why the reason and the rationale I've been doing them. Talk a little bit about the research and then talk about like the application for people to take away. Um, so my coach gave me pin squats as a way to regulate depth. So I guess that's one of the first ways. First, one of the first benefits to the pin squat is it regulates and standardizes um, what would be a poor squat. Um, so for some people, uh, with the poor squat, maybe the first couple of reps are super deep, or maybe what they find, which a lot of people doing, you're probably seeing is when they're trying to do a pause that actually still sinking as they're doing the rep They're still trying to still utilize uh, that stretch shortening cycle, which we know we're trying to almost, uh, reduce the impact of that when we're doing the poor squats. So I think it's a good way of trying to get that bar nice and still. Um, and that's one of the reasons that I added them into my program. I found that um, at the time coming out from a couple of injuries that um, I was a little bit hesitant getting into that bottom position. Mm-hmm. So the pin is a, is a good way to to standardize that depth and make sure every single time that you're hitting the same depth. And it's no questions asked, you're either on the pins or you're not. Sure. It's not like, am I you know this gray area? So that's the first benefit of the pin squat is it regulates the uh, the depth that you're trying to train to, and I think it eliminates that stretch shortening cycle just a touch yeah. more than what the poor squats would be because you find it a lot of people really struggle mm. to get that that really still position. Yeah, you've got to
0: be really disciplined with that. Like with the pause squat, you see, like I say, a lot of people hitting that hitting that position. Uh, first thing that you mentioned about depth quite hard to gauge yeah. that quite hard to measure it and then also to resist the temptation of using that, that stretch yep. reflex yeah. and having that little dip you know you see it with weightlifters all the time so sure. pa- those long pauses in the bottom position it's like that's that's great we're taking the momentum out we get some good benefits from it which we'll talk about shortly but then it's like right i'm just going to dip down use a bit of stretch reflex and get out of the hole whereas like i say with the with the pin squat we can
1: we can minimize that there's definitely two different ones that people do with that. They're either sure. as they're trying to pause, they're still sinking sure. or like you've said, they get a really good still position and then drop and go up So yes. still got that little bit yeah. of downward momentum before they, uh, they start the ascent. So yeah. pin squat is a great way to, to eliminate that straight away. Yeah. Um, another couple of benefits that I really like. So with the pin squat, I think there's less room for error for technical mistakes at the bottom position compared to a regular squat and a pause squat. So I think with a pin squat, because you are resting the weight onto the pins, if you, lose the bar ever so slightly forward at the hole you can't rock forward and back with that mm-hmm. weight on your back to kind of get it back through the center mass so I definitely think it reduces your chances or reduces your room for error. so if yeah. you find that with the, uh, the like with your descent that you're coming forward or slightly back and you're losing balance and you're having to correct yourself on the descent the pin squat is a good way to to kind of reinforce being controlled on that descent mm-hmm. um, and making sure you're not losing that balance in that bottom position So it's yeah, definitely so uh, definitely less room for mistakes Hundred
0: percent. Like even your pressure points for your feet, yeah. and just getting that, you know, make, making sure everything's nice and balanced. And yeah, hundred uh, yeah, percent agree Yeah, great, great, great movement for, like I say, the positioning aspects from a side-on point of view. If we're coaching, watching the bar path, and
1: keeping the bar within the center of mass at all times 100%. as well. And if you do like a, a set of three or four, what what you typically would find is, like I said, with a poor squat, if you you lose that weight, you, it's a bit easy to correct it in that hole. But with the bar, with the bar on the pins it's a little bit harder to do but what you typically find is let's say they mess up the first rep then it reinforces the actual position and then the next three reps are of, of really good quality so it's a good way to, to to really focus on like Mark said even foot pressure keeping that weight nice and even through the center mass and they're two massive things that people make mistakes of with uh, with the main poor squat. So I guess then the um the another thing is it, it, it reduces the amount of load, I think even more so than a a poor squat for that reason because there is less less utilisation of momentum, there's uh there's less of that dip, there is less room for error. So I think a poor squat if I typically program pole squats for people it's around 10 to 12 percent down from their regular squat mm-hmm. while pin squat could be as low as 15 maybe even if you've not done the before 20 percent that's yeah. quite extreme i think it would catch up but it's yeah. another way of like getting good skill work in with, <clears throat> with less weight yeah. so if you're worried about like the overall stress that you're accumulating for a week it's a good way of getting some extra squatting work in without overstressing your uh, your system
0: yeah if you look into it increase the frequency of your squat and you know we we, we know through decades of research that you know, with, with these big movements, like increasing frequency, you know, it's going to give you the, give you the chance to fine tune, fine tune the skill. And gen, like generally speaking, not so much with a deadlift perhaps, but generally speaking is, you know, you're going to see better improvements and quicker improvements. Um, but what, you know, what we like to do obviously is, you know, if we take the squat, for example, you know, if you want to squat two times a week or three times a week, you know, it's giving you, uh, it's given you a, an, an opportunity to develop skill in the pin squat rather than just doing you know standard back squat and hitting 80%, 85%, two, three times a week is a good opportunity to have on one of your days a bit of a lower intensity day bring the weight down a little bit and develop that develop that skill which is obviously very important yeah. and uh Again, without going into too much like too much off piece, where we talk about like high days, low days, which I use a lot with with athletes. That's kind of very similar with powerlifting as well, isn't it? Where you could have your you know your harder day with your, yes. your squat, and then you have more of your skill based yeah. uh,
1: day with uh, you know with with a, with a pin squat, for example. And that's you know that's very contact specific as well, because like you, you could use that as a as a hard day. But it is still overall intensity. is going to be a lot less. So sure. absolutely, you yeah. can use it as a lower day. You can use it as a skill day. And it works really nicely farther out from a competition where you are more focused on building up your variance and building up your individual weaknesses and, and areas that you know you need to improve on. So yeah, the context is key as always. But yeah, it can, can work really well as a, as a lower day. So I guess then the other couple of benefits when we're looking compared to a poor squat is uh, one thing that's a little bit overlooked is like uh, trying to make things a little bit more symmetrical. And that's not always going to be the goal for everyone. And everyone's slightly asymmetrical. But if you find that, like, as you're on the ascent of a squat, you're putting too much weight through one leg, or on the descent, you're really off-centre off-piece, you find that all weight's coming through one leg, or the bar's not sitting there... Like perfectly horizontal, you can uh, use the pins just to reinforce that. So you're trying to get the pins to touch at a fairly even time can be really beneficial in trying to make sure that the weight's nice and even through both feet, and then also on the back that it's touching a nice even position. So that's good for people that have. Uh had like an injury that's affected one side of the leg or, or one side of their upper body. Yeah. It seems to be a, a good benefit as well. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah. A good, a good, good uh, coaching, call, uh, coaching tool to, to use actually is to use that, use that pin squat and like say from, you know, getting good view from behind, good view from side on to see if there's any asymmetry, yeah. see if there's any rotation through the pelvis, um, you know, it can be real, real useful, useful yeah. thing to to try out really. So, it certainly certainly highlights any 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 deficiencies in regards to that. Absolutely, and everyone's slightly
1: asymmetrical. It's never going to touch perfectly, but it's a good way of trying to eliminate that, and and probably correcting it to a certain degree is going to be really beneficial for, for most people. Yeah. And again, further out from a competition, or if you're just coming back after a bit of a layoff, I think that's a, a really good utility, especially coming back from a, from an injury. Definitely, definitely.
0: With the uh, with the pause squat, um, sorry, with the uh, with the pin squat, do you ever find when? when when a squat has hit that hit that bottom position, they've hit the pins. Have you ever had any trouble with your clients in terms of, you know, that person maintaining that tightness
1: you know uh, do you ever have it of anyone where they kind of tend to relax and switch yeah. off when the, when the bar hits the pins 100 so the, the two main things is either relaxing and putting all of the weight onto the pins versus being on your back and then the other one is almost like if you've not explained the exercise like just crashing onto the pins and almost yeah. using that momentum um a good little i, I try and say to keep like 80 percent of the weight on your back and then just 20 onto the uh, onto the pins so that it's uh you're still keeping that tension you're still keeping that control. Um, Um, But yeah, you're not fully relaxed onto the pins. That's one little thing that I... uh I try and utilize because then the other benefit of like, it's the same then as the, the differences we discussed so far are kind of differences from the poor squat to the pin. But then another benefit of the, of the pin squat and the poor squat is like you said, maintaining good tension, that bottom position and also just um, self-regulating the descent of your, uh, of your speed just forcing you to pause at that bottom means you can't super crash down really fast. And that's where people make technical mistakes. So when you're looking at other benefits that aren't different between the poor squat and the pin um, self-regulating that descent speed and keep keeping that tension in the hole are, are two of the biggest benefits
0: yeah so. absolutely yeah i mean the pin the pin squat's something i use with uh, a lot of field athletes as well yeah. um you know it's a really good way to you know to adjust the adjust the height of where, of yeah. where we're squatting from so for example like some of our field guys you know especially as we're getting a bit more specific getting closer to, to season in terms of a squat we don't always have to be hitting you know, that sort of half squat or deep squat, you know, we can work slightly above parallel or even from a quarter squat position, yeah. uh, which I like to use a lot. And the pin squats a great, great way of just measuring that height, getting nice and consistent with that. Um, but also just, you know, we, we talked about like, you talked about 80, 20, um, you know, and, and doing something similar with, with the athletes of like saying, right, we're going to come down to the pins. We're just taking away some of that stress, some of that stress on the CNS by, you know, having that little pause on the pin Um you know, it's just taking a little bit of load off, a little bit of eccentric work out the equation, which is obviously going to mean that you know we're we're recovering a little bit quicker quicker from the exercise. We're reducing the total amount of stress throughout the week. Uh, so just kind of dropping, not dropping, but like you know coming onto onto the pins. You know, not over exaggerating the eccentric movement, but just like literally coming down, little pause, and then bang, coming out of the hole as quick as we uh, possibly can. So just using the pin squats for you know for the field athletes is a you know it's a good way of reducing the the total amount of stress reducing the amount of eccentric loading um and also like just really working on that on that top end uh, strength potentially through the through the concentric range through the through the way up um but also like if we're using it for for power for strength speed you know we're doing banded work etc etc mm. et and doing it at a high velocity um so you know and you you you'd perhaps do other work alongside that to work you know, you're, you, for your reactive work sure. and your kind of you know stretch reflex work and rate of you know and another force
1: rate of force, force development. It's, so. it's interesting you said that because the, the pin squat is such a slow lift. Like I had to listen and watch them back, and they look super slow. Yeah, uh, and that's from the full depth. But when you're talking about like concentric power and speed, like that high position, that's going to be really like um, transferable to like sprinters and going to be transferable to yeah. field athletes. You can really focus on some really good power developments if you go from that like top squat position. But you know, nice, nice is,
0: if, if you Got guys are. Uh,
1: relatively well trained and they've
0: squatted before like in the off season you know we'll do full full depth squat work back squat front squat etc etc generally as we come closer to season and in season we'll start using box squat or we'll start using pin squat um and I just really like pin squat from I say just from biomechanically specific positions uh, for the for the sport um and uh say like working them you know nice nice and explosively um so
1: it's a very versatile exercise. I've seen you using the uh, the pit, slightly off piece, but I've seen you using the pins with uh, with Rowan for um, like single leg work as well. Yeah, 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 big time. Yeah,
0: so uh, yeah, great, great, cool. Yeah, with the with the safety bar, um, you know, again, like talking about specificity, like we're not, uh, you know, for for these guys, uh, for those that don't you know, Rowan and Sam too two of my pole vaulters, and we're coming closer towards season now. We've obviously had a massive off season where we've done a lot of work on. You know more 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 traditional exercises hitting full depth, good variety of training obviously now ramping up towards competition we're trying to get a little bit more specific uh, that doesn't mean we neglect bilateral work like we still still add in but there's a big focus and emphasis on single leg strength and signal single leg explosiveness so yeah one of the drills i 'm doing with uh, with the guys at the moment is uh, is a single leg version of the, the pin squat essentially so they're using safety bar so we're not too too worried about positions and holding the bar or anything like that we can do a little bit of hand supportive we're not really pushing off of the hands off the off the uh, off the sides but with just a little bit of support there and getting into that sort of split squat position slightly biomechanically we're slightly biased towards the takeoff position uh, for vaulting so the knee is over the toe the hips a little bit far further forward than you maybe see on a traditional uh split squat so we're trying to be specific in terms of the takeoff position um and then from there i would say adding adding, adding some band attachments uh we we did a podcast a, a few weeks back on the advantages of, of, of bands um but you know maintaining that acceleration throughout the throughout the movement throughout the top end of the extension and, um, just working that really explosively from that kind of quarter squat position yeah. almost. Um, but as I say, single leg, mm. so we're staggered. Um, so something I'm doing with them at the moment is, um, we're, we're taking taking the pins out and we're doing standard rear foot elevated split squats and loading heavy hand supported. Then we're going from the pins nice and specific in terms of the biomechanics and we're popping up for that strength speed work. Yeah. And then we're going into, um, single leg bounds, uh, where we're working on, you know, on on the stretch shortening cycle, we're nice and plyometric. We're looking for minimum foot contact time. So again, a nice broad range, you know, of, of through the through the strength speed continuum. And uh, yeah, as say like the, you know, it's another good example of the variations that you can use with with pin work.
1: Yeah, there's lots of utility and it's uh, it's context uh, specific. Um, but i think we are giving you a lot there so if you're coming back from like an injury and you've got some kind of asymmetries you want to clear up they can be great for there if you're looking at improving your control on the descent they're fantastic if you're looking to regulate your depth they're fantastic um, and if you're looking for like specific joint angles it's a get it's a way of setting up a, a standard so i think that wraps up the, the pins quite nicely and absolutely. some uh, yeah. good takeaways cool. absolutely
0: yeah good drill so move on to uh talking <clears throat> about uh ramadan should we start with that or do you
1: want to go training frequency first I think go Ramadan and then because it links to a training frequency anyway. Fantastic, so, fantastic.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, with Ramadan, uh, obviously we, you know, for, for, for years, you know, you always get a lot of questions on how to how to train during this uh, during this period. So, um, you know, obviously we've got a lot of Muslim members and a lot of people who want to, you know, want to know, right, you know, they're used to training five times a week and I still do that. Is the frequency like still okay to be high? Am I going to lose strength? Am I going to have to change my volume, et cetera, et cetera? So I think, you know, uh, Luke came up with the idea of uh, speaking about this today. I think it's a real, real good, uh, yeah. good topic to get to get stuck into. Um, so, what, what are your initial sort of thoughts with this, Luke?
1: So, yeah, I've got a couple of different ways. I mean, we've, we, we have a couple of members that are uh, during like 24 hour gyms during Ramadan just so that they can train like really late, uh, maybe get some, most important, water, but also a little bit of food before they train, just so they can maybe get a little bit more out of the session. Obviously, that's not a viable option for a lot of people. Um, but if you do have the option, then maybe training like, late at night if you really wanted to. But we're going to focus mainly on like what you should do if you're... You know if your schedule doesn't permit you to train at midnight or you know 11 pm, yeah. if you want to train at your normal time, what kind of uh, what should you change? And I think the main thing that I always say about is just trying to reduce, like trying to hold um, the intensity, so like the percentage yeah. that you're trying to work at, but dropping back on the volume, and that can be achieved in a couple of ways. So, either dropping down uh, the amount of repetitions. So, there's an example one of uh, once sayad who um is in the Barbell club, he's he's uh, taking part in Ramadan, um. And He was like, "You know, what should I do and let's say the program is is like i don't know eighty percent three sets of five is a super easy one to to work on. We might hold it at eighty percent, and instead of doing three sets of five, we might do uh, two sets of three or might do three sets of three, so we 're cutting down from fifteen repetitions down to down to nine, and obviously that 's not going to be the most optimal in terms of um, mainly muscle muscle growth but also uh, strength." But like the most important repetitions are always those first repetitions in terms of strength development. So we're still getting that intensity, which we know is pivotal for uh, for strength development. Uh, we're still getting good quality reps in, but that reduction in volume by overtaking away sets and reps it reduces the RPE, re- reduces the amount of overall stress. It makes the sessions a lot more achievable, and you still get probably the biggest return from the uh, from the training that you can do. Yeah. So the main thing I do is either i drop a set and then I'd also drop down the actual repetitions you're performing at there um, just so that the actual RP of each set is a little bit lower as well. So that's the two main things that I would do. Um, I'd also then reduce the amount of accessory work so just shorten our sessions. So it's just about going bang for your buck and getting as much out of you can out of this short amount of time. Yeah, it comes down
0: to you know, strength being king, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, you know, so as, you, as you've said, is exactly the same for me uh, with clients I've worked with over the years. Um, we are trying to maintain as, as, as high a strength level as we can. We know that if the strength's good and, and we can maintain that as we start to rebuild in the accessory work alongside that, you know, our, because our top end strength is good, that obviously gives us the engine to to be able to very easily readjust back into doing more more accessory work. So, yeah, it's exactly the same for me, mate. Like, yeah, keep, you know, keep, keep the percentages fairly high. You know like you say if you're doing it, normally doing three fives at center percentage you might be doing three threes or yeah. two threes or or whatever it might be cut down you know but but volume, volume volume's the, the 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 one that will you know make make life difficult for you um and uh it's very similar to when we take uh take a, a deload or, a, or yeah. a taper um so you know we always with you know, we've always been big, big fans of this when it comes to to deload and and tapering
1: off. Is keeping intensity actually quite high, higher than higher than most people would think. Yeah, you but get if, the occasional person like I was on a deload last week, and I, was, I did you know eighty five percent for a trip. I'm like, wow, on a deload, that's really heavy. Yeah. And actually, like the literature says that trying to hold that intensity is the most important thing about maintaining like your strength and your skill. Big but time. then dropping back on the volume is what's going to yeah. facilitate the recovery? So from a Ramadan perspective, when you're like in not in a massively uh, advantageous position to to gain muscle and to gain strength keeping that intensity high and dropping back on that volume can really help you you maintain at least your gains if not
0: yeah big time I mean that, that was, it was kind of a weird one because like you go back to literature of like even back with like Verkashansky and people like that who were like you know on deloads and tapers was like keep keep your intensity keep your intensity high back off so that, that kind of literature has been around for forever but you know, I think there was a little period like five, ten years ago where it was like, right, you know, DLO just drop off completely, reduce, you know, you don't need to be going high on the intensity. And it's like, well, actually, if what, you know, what's the biggest contributor to fatigue? It's, you know, it's overall volume and tonnage, isn't it? So if we can maintain, you know, maintain a, a good intensity but just reduce the total, total amount of work we do, then we can keep the stimulus, we can keep the CNS stimulus. We can, for a powerlifter, we can, uh, you know, Never lose that um, kind of practice and ability to train. What we call train on the nerve by like training those high end percentages. Um, you know, so we, we can we can keep in in practice with that, but we can recover. You know, with by just reducing some of that volume yeah. just gives us a nice uh, nice rest
1: it's distinguishing between the intensity classed as percentage of your one rep like max versus intensity as in like relative intensity of like how difficult the set was yeah. so in a D load instead of doing like for set, 85% for set five you might do 85% for a double or sure. triple so the actual stress of the set is lower but you're still hitting that same intensity which again when we talked about from for Ramadan the, the biggest return is those first repetitions so you don't need to quite take that set quite as far to failure to get the benefit and to get the most force produced reps. Um, so 85% for a double is going to do a great job of like I said, maintaining the skill, maintaining the strength without all the extra fatigue that comes from it. Because the difference between 85% for a double being at a 5 to 6 RP compared to it being at an 8 RP is massive from your, from your recovery Recovering, perspective. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think the main uh, my preference for people doing remember that would be to, to keep the same amount of uh, sets but to drop the reps back. Yeah. But there's different ways of reducing the volume. So you can either keep the reps the same and drop a set or or you can do both if you're finding yeah. that you're really struggling and you can auto regulate it on a session by session basis because there's going to be times where you to come in especially when it's a little bit hotter outside and you're going to feel terrible um so in that instance you might drop from three fives to to two sets of threes. So there might be other days where it's a little bit colder you feel a bit more of the you've had a, a good feed um during the night time and then you've come in feeling great you might push it a little bit harder so i think just having these little tools yeah, in your you toolbox can... is uh and being reactive and proactive to it's probably better than making predetermined decisions 100
0: percent yeah you've got a you've got got to be willing you know with programming these days like we would you know we like to have that adaptability anyway but yeah. during during a period like that you've got to be you've got to be willing to sometimes just back down a little bit and say right okay today's a today's a tough day like say you know weather stress whatever um you know could, could play a role so just backing off a little bit on, on the same time, you know, if we're feeling okay, we can push a little bit yeah. more. But just, you know, as I say, I think in, in intensity is the key, trying to trying to maintain that. Um, I like the idea of maintaining the frequency, if you can, yeah. as well, and reducing the volume. So out of the three, you know, big, uh, you know, considerations, probably, you know, uh, probably, probably volume would come down. Because frequency is nice to keep up as well, yeah. because you know it, it, it obviously keeps you moving for one your program you know keeps consistency with your program yeah. um and if you're training like anything sort of high frequency you know it, it's it's good to good to maintain that because they like say you might have some skill days etc etc that you just want to keep, you know, yeah. keep on, on top of really.
1: Because another option as well actually is because like, if it's the overall amount of the volume in that individual set while you dehydrated and you haven't eaten, another option is actually to split the sessions up and maybe even do high frequency. You see quite a few people uh, doing that as sure. well. So like, if you want to get in as much of your excessive work as possible, um, split it into, instead of doing three times a week, you might do five times a week yeah. if that fits your schedule, and then split it into smaller, more manageable sessions is also another, another viable option. Absolutely. And um, um, on that note, should we move on
0: to? frequency, that's uh, quite yeah, a smooth I, transition. Absolutely. I just memory. want to say one quick thing yeah.
1: about Ramadan is that I think um, there's a lot of people that use it almost as a challenge to try and maintain the training and I think because, if, if I'm wrong, apologies, but one of the big things about doing Ramadan is like the discipline to actually do it, so a lot of people like to keep up their normal schedule and they like to try and train as hard as they can and while that's fantastic we just urge you to try and be proactive and be flexible enough to make decisions, so, so being able to push when you can is fantastic, but being smart and, and, and reducing as and when you need to um is it's probably the smartest thing to That's do
0: a, yeah it's a great call and being being smart is the key isn't it like just think of it from a just a basic physiology point of view like you're not getting the same amount of fuel the same
1: amount of calories as you normally would yeah all things, yeah. All yeah. things being equal, if you're trying to optimize your session, you'd be very hydrated. You'd be, uh, you'd have some fast-acting carbs just before it, and you've lost two of those big things. So just being proactive and being, being smart, and knowing when to push hard and knowing when to ease our sessions back is, uh, is the best thing to do. So 100, yeah. yeah. But
0: still, as we have said, you know, there, there is still the opportunity there to maintain, maintain 100%. strength. And then once you've, once you've completed uh, Ramadan, then you should be able to come back in Strength's You know, still nice and high, and then you can slowly rebuild that that yeah. volume in uh not going not going all the way back to probably where you were straight away but gradually rebuilding yeah,
1: taking into account like your acute chronic ratios maybe like 10 to 20 percent jumps each week yeah. so if you've been doing nine reps you know you add another 10 it's a it's a couple of additional reps a week uh, per per session and then you can start to build it from there so 10 to 20 percent jumps weekly when you're returning and then within two three weeks you're back up to your full strength and, yeah. and, and full volume and nothing's been lost nothing's lost Nothing's lost <laughs>
0: Fantastic. So, uh, yeah, obviously we mentioned a little bit about training frequency there, yeah. so we can sort of, uh, move into that. We mentioned, you know, about perhaps doing, uh, doing two a days. Um, this is, uh, you know, it, it's a very common question in the world of strength conditioning and the world of training is how many times a week should I train? Um, and you know, pretty much as always, there's not there's not a straightforward answer. Um, it depends. It depends on um, you know numerous factors. Um, you've got to take it on an, on an individual basis. You know, some people will say, "Well, I've read that you know, training twice a week is all I need to do, and I can have those days off where I can recover, and and you know, I create the stress and stimulus during those two days, and you know, I'll have five days in between to, to you know to reap the rewards of the adaptation and then allow the body to adapt." You know three times a week, five times a week, double sessions um it's very easy to see how if you don't know you could get lost or you could like oh, become fixated on on way one way or the other with with this I think like the the first thing to do is to is to look at the individual and to see we did numerous podcasts on sustainability um so that's the first thing I want to talk about is like you know choosing your frequency based on being realistic about what your lifestyle allows you to do on a consistent basis, 100%. you know, if you look at like, you know, if you look at your, your training over the years, one of the reasons you've been successful in your sport is because you don't miss sessions. Okay. Now, obviously that comes from a passion and you know, it's, it's a big passion for you to, to, to train and to compete, but it's also the fact that you manage it in the right way alongside your lifestyle and your nutrition and your work and everything like that. So, you know um, that that's a that's a big thing where you know I think me and Max did a podcast on this and it's like there's no point going absolutely all guns blazing.
1: You know, We're trying weeks,
0: to do six six sessions a week for two for two weeks. You know, you're never going to get anywhere like that. You know, if you look back at your first two weeks of taking powerlifting seriously you weren't you know it's obvious to say but you weren't at the level that you're at now and that doesn't you know results don't happen and that's the same with any individual any sport at the highest level you're never going to get there in two weeks you need to have that consistency sustainability so that's the first thing to consider is you know we get these new clients in and you know even you you know you don't have to be athletes you know you guys who have um, barely strung together two months of training before in their whole life. And they come in and say, yeah, I want to do six sessions week. a week. Yeah. I want to do seven days a week. And it's like, right, you've never strung together more than two weeks of training. Are you yeah, sure you yeah, want to yeah, do yeah. seven days a week? I'd much rather you do two days a week yeah. and actually stick to it. It's funny that you say that
1: because <laughs> I think anyone that's trained long enough has, has heard of the Bulgarian method and has tried <laughs> the Bulgarian method. Yeah. So remember I remember yeah, when I first moved into uh, my first flat, um, I was like, I'm going to do the Bulgarian method. I'm going to train 10 times a week. I'm going to do AM and PM five days a week. And it was so, I did a week and it was just unsustainable. And like, yeah. even if that said, if the literature could say that the Bulgarian method is fantastic and I could have got fantastic results from it, but I'm never going to keep up 10 <laughs> sessions a week. First yeah. of all, I was fucked after after the first week. I felt terrible, yeah. um, but also like I just couldn't sustain it with my, my lifestyle. So it doesn't matter what the literature says, and it doesn't matter what you know how much of the good results were. I just can't do it.
0: I'm and laughing because you- I did uh, small of. I'd like lo- I'd like to <laughs> add, I was like 22 at the time um, and uh, sort of uh, young and fresh into strength conditioning. But I did the small of, uh squat program, and I just remember like at the time I was doing. Um, I was doing like delivering strength conditioning courses all around the country and i just there's one time that just sticks out you know for you know it sticks, it sticks out in my mind was like you, you're squatting four times a week and it's it's hard you know there's no there's no pin squats there's no like it's just squat, squat. Uh, The percentages are varying a little bit the volume is varying a little bit but it's it's four hard yeah. sessions a week and it's like i just remember at the time i was like I might have just started my master's. I was working full-time and I was delivering courses <laughs> at a weekend. I wasn't playing rugby at the time because um, I was uh, I was injured, which, again, is another stupid reason to be coming back and doing small of. But uh, I was just keen to do it. So, like, I'd work all week. Like, on a Friday night, I'd be driving up to, like, Glasgow or down yeah. to Plymouth delivering a course. And then on the Saturday, work all day and then do my 10 sets of three yeah, yeah, at, like, yeah. 5 o'clock, like, absolutely battered. And it's like... Okay, you can get away with a bit more when you're
1: younger, but like that was a, that was just <laughs> absolute madness. These these are important things to do because then you understand. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. I, like, I did smart off myself, and like there was this. I mean, I was getting ready for my first uh, British in like 2015. MSC just opened. I was like, I'm going to I'm going to do a smart off. This is definitely the best thing to do. And I remember, like you said, on a on a Friday night, it was like seven sets of five, and it was at 190. And seven then five are brilliant. And it? then the oh. day after, on a Saturday, so that was on a Friday. Then like. Like 16 hours later, I came in for 10 sets of three at 202. I did like three sets, my biceps killing me. And like I gained two and a half kilo on my squat and I lost 10 kilo on my bench. Yeah, It was the worst thing I've ever done. But like it's good to do. Uh, We had a guy that joined MSC and he told me that he ran smaller every single month. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, right. "How much are you gaining a month?" Because I'm seeing how it's, it's diminishing returns. like oh, I'm gaining about two and a half kilo a month like, on my squat from when it's smaller. I'm like, where, where do you go from here? Like, it's yeah. What's what's next? What's, what's next? next? Like, 11, minimal minimal
0: dosing is what we like yeah. to uh, like to try and recommend, and do, getting away with as little, don't don't well, I hope people don't do it the wrong way, but like doing as little as possible to elicit the you know the stress and stimulus required to to get better yeah. and to like, create small smaller an is definitely
1: your. It's either exceeding or it is your maximum. This is a very hard training
0: program, yeah. yeah. And um, again, I mean, we'll probably go slightly off piece here, but like, this is where, you know, in in terms of, um, you know, programming and getting programs off the internet and seeing these programs, and oh, you know, yeah, so and so put on 30 kilos in four weeks of doing small of, or there's a Russian squat cycle, which is a popular one in weightlifting. um, And it's like, well, that program wasn't written for you. Like, that's like, that's for full-time Russian yeah. weightlifters, um, or in Smolov, Smolov's Russian as well, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah so, yeah, yeah. like, you know, or you've got Bulgarian, like, you know, squat cycle method, or whatever, yeah. or you know, Bulgarian complex training, which is like eight times a week, and it's like, you know, that that wasn't designed for you. That was designed for full-time Russian-funded Russian, yeah. Russian weightlifters who, you know, are probably using additional supplements to uh, to aid their recovery. Very good supplements. Um, yes, very good supplements. So it's like you can't expect to train at the same uh, frequency. Obviously, we're talking about frequency mainly here, but frequency, intensity, volume, as, as that. Yeah.
1: Um, I think so, it's off the back of these programs. Like when people start having coaching, they say, like, how many times a week should I train?
0: Yeah.
1: And I never have a black, you shouldn't have a black and white answer because the program is yeah, yeah. based around the individual's lifestyle.
0: Exactly. So it's like, right, you know, what we do as coaches is like, and we, you yeah. know, even do it with the barbell club as well as our individual programming because we can adapt that. Yeah. Right. You know, and like say, get these guys who come in with all the right intentions, a bit keen, right? I want to train seven times a week. And it's like, right, okay, you know, let, let's try and, you know, let's almost be a bit pessimistic and say, right, you know, let us just pick something that we know that person can can commit to. Because again, the key to success, you can go into depth about, you know, programming, periodization, specific exercises, the, the the biggest factor is consistency yeah. and is training regularly. So therefore the program and the frequency has to be sustainable. Yeah. That's the key. So Twice a week, four times a week, eight times a week. It's all relative. There's not a right answer. You've got to find out about the individual. And that's, you know, one of the many things that separates a good coach from a bad one. But even in yourself, have a look at like, right, you know, have a you know, have I got a high stress job where I'm a managing director and I'm working 65 hours a week? You might have that. You might have, you know, two newborn kids. You might be, you know, um trying to go out and cycle every weekend and yeah. do do all these kind of things. You have to take all of those stresses into account and say, mm-hmm. right, okay, what, what what have I got left? What's gonna work what's gonna work well in the gym? And yeah. that person's gonna get better adaptations off a two-week program yeah. than a five a week program. Yeah. But two
1: a week wouldn't be enough for someone like myself or you yeah. So what you're finding is, which is what we're going to talk about now, is if you do, like I've got a clients, I mean, I've got one that does two times a week, but the majority do at least three. The average is four, there's a few people that do five. And the difference between the three to the five is we work at how much volume they can tolerate and you just allocate it differently, sure. which is the research that we're going to talk about um, in a touch. But like if you're doing three times a week, those sessions are probably – if you can manage, they're going to be slightly harder, a little bit longer. Uh, when you do four or five times a week, you have, you know, you can have more low days and you can have more of like a, a skill day practice. Yeah. You can allocate the volume slightly differently. So if you find that you respond really well to doing, let's say 10 sets of squats a week, if you're only doing three times a week, that might be two days where you're doing five sets of squats or need dominant mm-hmm. work a week. If you squat, if you're, if you've got a five day a week program, you can allocate it slightly different. It could be two days of three days and then, you know, allocated, um, a lot more spread throughout the week. So yeah. I think that the main differences between the frequency of lower volume is that you're just allocating the volume differently. Yeah,
0: um, definitely, definitely. And there's,
1: there is good research saying that like, if you, which is two of the studies that we're, we're probably going to talk about, there was a, a Norwegian powerlifting study that was done years ago. I can't remember who it was by, but it was on like really high level lifters. And they took uh, the three times a week program and they just split it in half and they did it six times a week. And their strength gains were like quite high. It was more than like, I think it's like 16% extra gain for the guys that did high frequency. But like it, it just doesn't, ma- it doesn't matter how good that is because most people can't do six days does a week. It, does it fit with the lifestyle? Does it fit? Like These if- are professional powerlifters that can train six days a week. They can do the A and the PM or they can do every single day at a set time. Yeah. Um, but it is like diminished returns. I think once you've hit your volume, if you can allocate it as, as best as you can within your limitations, yeah. that's the most important thing that's going to get your biggest return. Um, and then yeah. you're looking at diminished returns when you're starting to spread it. Like it's a small return, but it's not a massive game-changer of a return. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think
0: if you're looking at like elite level lifters, like there's there's some good research that suggests that like doing doubles, you know, we can just, you know, we, we can probably handle a little bit more volume if we're doing doubles. Uh, so like two a days. But again, that really depends on, you know, what the recovery is like in between. And again, if you're like doing a session in the morning and then you're going off to do a, you know, a high stress, high stress job and you're a doctor and then you're trying to train again in the evening you know, it's again, you know, it's probably not using the word sustainable, but it really is, you know, it really is a a massive, massive factor. You know, I've, I've just adjusted my own training from, you know, doing five days a week in the gym to to four because we're picking back up rugby. We're only back once a week, Yeah, but I've just basically like, you know, um, Squeeze, squeeze the volume into those into those four days. I'm actually maintaining pretty much the same amount of volume as I was doing, and adding yeah. in the rugby because it's off season. And I'm not too fussed if I'm a bit fatigued on a Saturday to play uh, to to train uh, on on the rugby pitch. Um, you know, so I'm I'm taking that bike right. Okay, I don't mind if that's a little bit high. I'm just going to condense it a little yeah. bit. Um, and it just fits in a, a little bit, little bit better around. It's, know, it's
1: interesting because I think there's two different ways to look at it. It's like people think, oh I going to get this really good result if I take my training up to, to four days a week or five days a week?" And they think that like if they're doing three sessions a week, you're just going to add another additional hard session. Yeah. But I think people don't realise is that like you, you would then just take the amount of work that you've. If you find that the three days a week is really optimal, but you're on up your frequency, you're just going to spread that volume a little bit thinner across the four days. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it works both ways. Like people think, "Oh my god, like would my training be?" So much better if i had an additional day would i be doing 25 percent extra work and it's not quite the case that that would happen because if you're making good results then you would just spread the volume yeah and it works the other way if someone wants to train four days a week they might be apprehensive that they can't handle another tough session so it's just understanding that like, if you found an amount of work that, uh, that works for yourself, it's spreading it in a more manageable way across four sessions rather than just adding in an additional session, which will be really tough. Yeah. And for a lot of people, four really tough sessions is, is, is really, really hard to, to manage and people can't recover from it i train five days a week one of them is super light accessory work there's two hard days and two low to medium days if they were all really hard days then i would really struggle to, to recover from it and i'd have to change something um so i think that's like a little apprehension or another yeah. positive that people think about when they're discussing their frequency yeah it's finding
0: like like i say it's finding out what the right amount of volume is to, yeah. to to you know to stimulate the the lowest dose possible to to improve yeah. Um, and then, like you say, that's when you can almost play around with the frequency there and say, right, what fits in uh, better for me? Um, so, like for me, I, you know, uh, similar to yourself, I believe, like, you know, I really enjoy training. So I like training at high frequency. Um, and like I react really well to training at higher frequency, but lowering the volume a little bit each session. Um, you know, and on, on some days that, you know, enables me to do doubles. Uh, for example, like, you know, looking at rugby as an example. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's a sport, you know, it's a, it's a very well-rounded sport. You need to be, you know, fit, you need to be fast, you need to be relatively strong, you need to be relatively powerful. Um, so like, you know, for example, I quite like on a high day, I'll do my, you know, on a Tuesday at the moment, I'll do my sprints in the morning and I'll do my heavy lifting in the, in the evening. I could do that back to back, but actually, you know, I'd rather get my sprint start and have a rest and you know fortunately although I'm busy-ish during the day like I can manage my food well and I can I can train again in the evening so
1: it's the same with like that um that bodybuilding split where people are doing like let's say 20 sets of chest work on a Monday uh and then that's all they do it's like taking that and then like spreading it throughout the week um To probably get a better result, and it's the same with your strength training, where like you might the reason you probably get a better result with the strength work is if you if you spread out the frequency, like and you you slightly more recovered, you fresher, you fresher, yeah. you've not got the acute fatigue. Yeah. You probably do get a slight return from it, but like I said, it's not going to be a. Uh, a game changer like it's it might get you a few percent extra but it's not going to like overhaul your program or make or break it um so i guess like if it could fit your schedule i would opt people to do a slightly high frequency program than to not but it is not the end of the world if they're only doing three two to three days a week no what's the like absolute least that you've like have you ever had person one person that trains once a week or um once a week in the gym yeah. yeah i've had clients.
0: Not competitive athletes, but I've had like the the lowest with competitive athletes is two, yeah. Um, which is common, like yeah, for, yeah, f- yeah. for field athletes, two a week is very common. Uh, I guess, you've like, got all some are,
1: training yeah, some well,
0: are, yeah, exactly. So, like, you know, we used a uh, Roland's example earlier, so we'll use him again, but like, you know, he's starting to ramp up his vaulting now and his practice, his field practice, so to speak, and his field volume. So, we've cut down now to, to, to two a week. Um, and that just that just works really well with this schedule. You know, um, it does quite a lot of gymnastics work as well. So like, it's doing a gymnastic session, and there's two. You know, there's there's vaulting work to put in there as well. So again, it's just managing the overall picture uh, to get the, to get the best from it. Um, but like, yeah, non-athletes. Like, I've got some guys who can only really commit to the gym once a week. Um, even then, though, I would always encourage them to do a little bit at home, sure. get plenty of steps in, etc., yeah. uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Um, So like, it's really, it's really variable, like in season for me, um, you know, I normally work between three and four in the gym. Uh, I really like four uh, based on what you were talking about of like the volume doesn't change from doing three but it's just a little bit more spread out um i've gone through phases i go on and off but i go through phases of enjoying a friday session yeah uh, before the game where i'll work speed straight stuff lots of throws like low stress like low cns stuff like you know med ball throws um you know a few weighted jumps uh things like that um you know uh, but there, there are times where i drop down to three as well and what i try and do with that is like you know, you can easily get away with three, you can easily get away with four. Um, but with the four, I'm not increasing what I'm doing. I'm just kind of spreading it out yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so like if I'm doing three, for example, like on that high day, on a, on a Tuesday morning, for example, I'll be doing like a lot of heavy stuff. But I might superset that and put it in a contrast with my speed strength stuff and yeah. my reactive work. Whereas if I'm spreading out and I've got that fourth day, I might leave that and just do like my heavy stuff, maybe superset it with one speed thing, but like I, I know I can leave a lot of that reactive speed yeah. stuff until the until the Friday, for example. So I'm just spreading it out a little yeah. bit and it just
1: depends on various factors yeah. and like around lifestyle, work periods, things like that. So Because you're coming from a perspective of like you're dropping your volume if you've got increased like a training session elsewhere. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so if you're if you're just from a gym, I train five days a week, but I could easily condense that into four sessions a week. I yeah. probably get exactly the same result. I would just drop. I've got a fifth session that is super light, and it would just mean I'd have to add on those exercises onto those four days a week, and I'd probably still get as good of results. But I quite like doing that fifth session just to, to make the other sessions ever so slightly shorter, and then just mean that they're a little bit more manageable in terms of time because they are long sessions. It just yeah, reduces sure. each one by like fifteen minutes, yeah. and then I put it all into one session on a Tuesday, and it, it's more manageable for my lifestyle because I'm yeah. already at the gym if I wasn't at the gym I'd do the four days a week
0: especially with powerlifting where like sessions are, are traditionally longer than it would be for a general gym go or a field athlete yeah. like yeah. you know it's um it makes sense to just increase like from a lifestyle perspective, add that extra
1: day on, but reduce the session yeah. time a little bit more. I've got um, guys that like for powerlifting, the lowest I've got is someone doing three days a week. I've got some yeah. general pop that do two days a week, but I've uh, got powerlifting just three days a week. He's actually probably one of the most successful ones I coach. Um, three days a week bases around his lifestyle, train super easy. These are all things that you traditionally think wouldn't work, but because we just give his sessions are quite long. It um, has quite a lot of volume within those three sessions. If he was to up his frequency to four, we'd keep that same amount of volume because he's getting great results, but we just spread it into that fourth session. And then the sessions individually might be more manageable, but then it would matter on a week perspective and with his life schedule, can he fit in that fourth session? And that's the distinguishing factor. I don't yeah. think he'd get a massive return from upping his frequency to four, maybe one or two percent. And then you need to work out if that one or two percent is worth sacrificing other elements of your lifestyle for these really small, negligible results.
0: Yeah big time i think um you know yeah it's just all those things you have to take into consideration um just just a, a, an interesting question what um with your fifth session do you think that helps mentally that you've got like an easier session and like you've got harder sessions easier sessions do you think that like when you have an easy session that feels like a nice like, there's a bit of feel-good there. It's a nice reward. You can come in, just really kind of enjoy the process. Not that you don't enjoy lifting sure. heavy, but, like, just neurally, like, just a little bit less stress. Yeah. Um, there's definitely I a love, I love though. my – like, I love the high – I love high days and low days, like, equally the same pretty much. But, like, coming in for a low day, it's like, oh, brilliant. Like, yeah, this yeah. is nice. I can
1: train, enjoy myself. I'm going to get psyched up. It is the mentality going into each individual set where, like, if you've got – let's say 70% for a set of three, like you want to get as much out of it as you can. So you need to be focused. Still it's, it's still intense, but, but, but it's not the same kind of, if I make a mistake, I'm going to miss this mentality where you've got to be really amped. And you've got to really be in the game. Um, so yeah, I definitely enjoyed the, the lower days. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's, a, again, it comes back like the lifestyle to sustainability because you see people, especially when the first start, like into in particular powerlifters, and they all like headbutting the walls, punching each other in the face, getting underneath a bar. And then within a year they're burnt out and they're knackered and they they've lost that kind of, they've lost that mentality going into the set they just can't sustain it. So I think now, like in particular off season, I'm trying to avoid doing that apart from like maybe the occasional top set. Um, So it's knowing when to push those sessions hard and when not to from a sustainability perspective. Yeah. Um, Yeah.
0: No, definitely. Yeah. And uh, say it's like the, uh, the, the outside factors we've mentioned a few times, but like, again, I'll just, you know, bring in for again, a rugby perspective, but when you know i'm back to training you know two days a week when i'm back to playing games on a saturday then they are external factors that do impact what you're doing in the gym so again like you know something's got to something's got to give in terms of your overall training volume so that might be you know again like during the off season, I'll, I'll often train you know five days a week and, and some of those are doubles, but you know, in season I'm not gonna be able to, you know, necessarily well, I'm not gonna be able to do that. So you just have to adapt and look at like, right, I've got the stress from a game on a Saturday, I've got a Tuesday, Thursday night training session. You need to take that into consideration, therefore, right, what frequency you I gonna train, what volume you I gonna train.
1: And it's just it's just yeah, taking all those kind of factors into into account. If you don't take lifestyle into account and someone comes to you and they can train as many times as they want how many days a week would you default? they said i'm ha- i will do whatever you say i don't play a sport i just want to get stronger or I want to get bigger or i want to lose weight what frequency in the gym would you give them by default i'd give them four, four. days a week yeah yeah yeah. yeah. four um, four's nice Four. four you know like I say you got your three days recovery, you can do a day doing nothing, you can have two days of like, active recovery yeah. and then you've got four days where like they're gonna be fairly tough sessions. Yeah.
0: Four four's lovely, like, you know, I I, I enjoy four myself, like four is the sweet sweet spot for me generally. Um, but like yeah, again if you if you kind of not even take an anything, anything into consideration, you just like the example you've just said, like four four yeah. is nice. Four is nice. I it's a, it's a good amount. You get a lot of, you can get a good amount of skill Pizza. work in. You can get, you know, a, a good amount of volume in without, you know, rushing things, forcing things. Um,
1: you get a decent amount of recovery, both yeah. physically and mentally from the, from the gym. Um, I also anecdotally people on four days a week never miss sessions five days a mm. week sometimes they're missing sessions or I get a message saying can you help me combine the last two sessions which is fine yeah, because yeah, that's yeah. what we just spoke about about yeah. allocating the volume um so four is definitely the most sustainable well yeah. three to four is the most sustainable um five and, weeks tough man because like yeah. if you if you do there's no room for error if, if you want to go no room for for
0: error. Day, like if you're doing fine if you're doing five and you're saying right okay I'm going to trade Monday Tuesday and i say Wednesday off I'm going to do Thursday, Friday, then like you have to hit one at the weekend. Like you you have to train on a Saturday or Sunday and then all of a sudden you're busy Saturday, you know, and then you're tired on Sunday and it's like, fuck, I've got to get this in. You know, even even myself when I was doing five days a week, like 95% of the time is fine. But like there was that occasional week where it was like, Jesus, like, yeah. like I say, there's no no room for error there if you want to keep that
1: consistency. Right, so I'm on a, I'm on five and uh, last last it's night it's last night right, after I've shift thought, I did not yeah. want to train. I'm not, yeah,
0: I prefer, like I say, I, I I do like
1: high frequency, but like
0: I guess it's all perspective. High frequency for me is probably four, <laughs> like because there's, there's, there's times external, in, there's yeah. times in season where like yeah. I'll do three in the gym, but um, like four is yeah. right on the money. I think because you get that. I I love having. a uh, i love having a wednesday off so like you know monday tuesday thursday friday suits me and i've got a weekend then to either yeah. game on a saturday or i'll do like you know a long walk or sometimes i come you know come in and do a bit of like aerobic work like yeah. i'm not even counting it as a session really but yeah. um it's just like that that fret, uh, flexibility and i think generally speaking always err on the side of caution when you're choosing your frequency like Go with what you know you can handle. If you can don't do put like yourself that. under pressure. And it, yeah. exactly. So, like, if you if you're new to this and you're not too sure, you know, and you're just starting out at the gym, you know, and you think you can do, you know, you're 90% sure you can do four days a week. Like, my advice would be, don't do four days a week. Do yeah. three days a week. Do three days a week, but you're going to hit those every single time. And if you get that fourth day during the week and you get to a Saturday and you think, oh, I've done my sessions and I feel good, I want to do something
1: then go for it, get your full session in. I guess a good way to finish this, Ruby, exactly what you said, do what you're 100% sure you can make. Then if you can make a fourth session, bonus, do your recovery work. And I guess um, just be safe in the knowledge that like if you've worked out how much volume you can handle or how many sets a week you seem to make good progress on, choose the frequency that you have and then allocate the volume accordingly. Um, And just be safe in the knowledge that if you can only do three days a week, upping it to four days a week is very, very, very small, if any, extra, extra gain. So it's not like you're adding additional 25% work you're going to get better results because more isn't isn't better um find out what your allocated volume can be spread it about better frequency that you can sustain and yeah like i said be safe that you know that it's just going to be a very small result if if any so more is not always better say no more on that bombshell
0: um yeah i think uh we've covered those topics very nicely and i think we'll we'll wrap it up there guys um so, thank you very, very much for tuning in. We're looking forward to, obviously, we're into season two of our podcast now. And um, again, as I said with Sonia the other day, I think during the lockdown there was uh, a lot of a lot of good content we threw your way. But um, we're looking at now getting a little bit more kind of into the nitty gritty of training stuff. You know, we don't want to do we did not want to do that before when nobody's got access to a gym. But we can really focus on the gym now and you know, sort of uh, go into some real uh, cool sort of something that's gonna benefit stuff. everyone.
1: Like um, one of them answers is gonna benefit everyone. Yeah, exactly.
0: So. Uh as always guys, uh stay in touch. Obviously we've got our weekly uh podcasts that are out on Spotify and YouTube. Uh, we're releasing blogs as frequently as we uh, as we can. Uh Sonia's just released a good blog so check that out on our on our website. Um If you've got any questions as Luke said earlier if there's ever any questions about the topics we've discussed today or about our memberships or what we can offer we've got something for everybody Uh, we've got a barbell club which is you know massively massively popular Um, but you know we've got other options as well we can fit it around uh, around your lifestyles and around you around your budget too so thanks very much for tuning in guys Uh, thanks for joining me Luke thank you mark did you enjoy the mic today The the new mic the microphone. Hopefully, hopefully well, our viewers. It, I'm sure it's great. Hopefully, well, hopefully, we'll, find viewers, it, we'll find out. If we'll find out works. when we listen back yeah. to it. Yeah, you might not be able to hear anything, guys. Okay, thanks for tuning in, guys. Cheers.